Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about my prediction for the property market over, let's say, the next 24 months, or at least the, the shorter term. Now, the media loves to talk about property price predictions. You know, will they rise or fall? You know, it makes for good clickbait. It uh, sells newspapers and so forth. But look, I think the debate, whilst interesting, is uh, virtually valueless. You know, I don't think it should influence your decision as a, as a property investor or a property purchaser about what might happen in the shorter term, unless you're prepared or unless your strategy is to buy a property and sell it uh, within a very short uh, space of time. But look, I understand the psychology. No one wants to buy, you know, everyone wants to buy at the bottom of the market just before it kicks off. So all you experience is upside. Now, even though I think it's a valueless conversation, the reason why I want to weigh into it is because there's been uh, a bit of commentary around the improvements of clearance rates, uh, the uptick in lending volume in July that was announced last week by the Australian Bureau of Statistics, uh, and some people are reading into these things, I think uh, some incorrectly reading into these things, so I wanted to sort of weigh in and um, and share my opinion. Uh, let me begin, I guess, with a little bit of sort of shameless self-promotion or a shameless pat on my back. Uh, I wrote a uh, article for the Australian uh, newspaper in December 2018, so December last year, in which I, I said, and I quote, I believe that price growth next year will be either neutral or positive. Uh, and obviously next year I was remaining uh, the 2019 calendar year. At the time, I was the only one making such a public prediction. Uh, well, sorry, there was only, I was one of two people making such a, a public prediction. Uh, AMP's chief economist, Shane Oliver, was the other. Uh, I provide a chart uh, from CoreLogic, uh, which a link is in the in the show notes and on the blog on our website, uh, which charts the uh, auction clearance rate. And as we can see from that chart, it looks like that it uh, reached its lowest point in December 18 and at around about 40% on a national level. And has since uh, over the past nine months, nine-ish months, uh, recovered significantly to be around about circa 70%. And uh, certainly in uh, Melbourne and Sydney, uh, clearance rates are now in the high, mid to high, uh, 70 percents. So looking back, uh, and also uh, CoreLogic uh, announced uh, recently that uh, national capital city house prices grew by 1 percent in the quarter ending, so the three-month period ending August 2019. So the year's still got to play out. But it certainly looks like uh, my prediction last year was correct, that we were at the bottom of the market. Now, I'm not sure if you take too much away from that. I'm certainly not suggesting that I'm going to be uh, a more accurate predictor uh, than the next person, uh, only to sort of say that I rarely make predictions uh, unless I'm unless I think there's some value in doing so. So at the time of December making those predictions, I certainly thought we were at the bottom of the market, so I wanted to say so. Uh, and at the moment, I want to share my predictions at the, uh, now because I think Pete, some also there's a bit of commentary out there that I don't uh, agree fully with. Uh, so 
I think property sentiment really started to begin uh, improving uh, really around 10 or 11 o'clock at night on the 18th of May when the coalition surprisingly won the federal election. And we certainly witnessed a, an improvement in inquiry levels from both home buyers and investors in our business. It certainly, you know, there was certainly an uptick in the end of May. I think it's, it's, it's not as buoyant as it was then, so it's come back a little bit, but there was sort of a spike in inquiry, I guess, and interest. Uh, at, certainly inquiry interest is certainly higher uh, in the second half of the year than it was in the first half of the year, but um, uh, we certainly saw that's when uh, I think sentiment started to uh, really improve. And this is very much reflective in property volumes and, and clearance rates. So uh, what I've done is pick Melbourne. I pick Melbourne because uh, the auction, selling by auction, is the most, or, or at least the, the most popular out of all the states uh, in terms of way to sell. So arguably the data is more uh, representative or reliable. Uh, and what I've done, and you'll see this chart on the blog on the website and also link in the show notes, uh, but what I've done is uh, charted it really from the week before the election uh, until uh, last weekend. And we can see that the clearance rate in Melbourne's gone from 50% to about 75% over that period of time. Uh, and it's averaged around uh, 75% for the last three weekends. But of particular interest is the volume of property. So um, uh, up until sort of mid-July, the, the average amount of property being sold on any one weekend uh, in Melbourne was about $175 million. That's increased to uh, $350 million of property over the past couple of weekends. But it's still well below what it would be in a booming market. So sort of at the peak of a, a really buoyant booming market in Melbourne, over a billion dollars of property would sell in one weekend. So we're sort of about a third of that, that level at the moment. Um, and I, I guess we can read uh, kind of uh, read into two things. Firstly, the volumes so the number of actual uh, properties being sold is is low. The stock that's on the market, there's not a lot of properties. It's quite thin. And certainly, uh, based on dollar values, you know, total volume, uh, it's certainly showing that the top end of the market is missing as well. So when we look at auction clearance rates, uh, we need to decide what's driving them higher. Is it just a scarcity of supply of properties on the market or is it a return of confidence? Uh, and we won't really know for sure until we see more volume on the market, but I suspect uh, it's they're relatively equal contributors to an improvement in overall sentiment and improvement in auction uh, clearance rates and, and numbers. So we can't get too excited or place too much emphasis on the clearance rate as a as a mechanism or a sign that the market has fully recovered or that we're going to see a lot of price growth. Now, last week, the as I said, the ABS released uh, lending numbers for July, and uh, in both cases for home loans and investment loans, uh, volume in terms of dollar value of loans, new loans provided in July increased by around about five percent, and some commentators have interpreted this as a signal that credit has loosened. It hasn't. Now, if we think about it. Uh, for a loan to settle in July, the application must have been lodged at least in June, but probably bef before that, given how arduous and, and lengthy the application process has become. So the July settlements are probably applications uh, lodged in April, May and June over that period of time. Credit certainly 
was still very tight over those periods of time. And it's only slightly arguably loosened in terms of borrowing capacity has improved uh, since that period of time. I think the July lending numbers, um, all they're doing is telling us a story about the spike in uh, sentiment and the spike in uh, desire to enter the property market as a result of the election win. That's all I think. I think it's a temporary spike, and I don't think we should be reading too much into into the July, July lending numbers. But I do think lending uh, and access to credit will have a significant impact. It will probably be the key driver in respect to property growth. And of particular importance is a case at the moment of that ASIC is uh, an action against uh, Westpac that ASIC has taken. So um, uh, the government took uh, uh, Westpac to court last year, alleging they breached responsible lending laws. Uh, that covered some 260,000 home loan applications, a lot of uh, loan applications there. Uh, What they're alleging is that what Westpac did is used a benchmark measure called the Household Expenditure Measure as a proxy for an applicant's living expenses rather than asking them what they spend or looking at their bank statements, which is what they do today. So ASIC said that because they didn't ask questions about an individual applicant's lending, uh, living expenses, they've breached the law. Well, ASIC lost that case in August uh, 2019, so just recently, about three or four weeks ago. The court said they didn't breach and using the household expenditure method was in fact fine. Well, last week, ASIC filed an appeal against the decision. So this case is going to be really important um, if the appeal is unsuccessful, I think it will give the banks some confidence and some headroom that they can lighten up their otherwise forensic investigation into an applicant's uh, expenditure and yet still comply with the law. However, if the appeal is successful, um, I don't think credit will loosen up anytime soon. And that's a good segue into really the number one factor that I think is going to influence or curtail, more correctly, property price growth uh, over the next one to two years, and that is access to credit. Look, I think the property market got a big spook in terms of the uh, potential um, onerous taxation changes proposed by the ALP, and then the dramatic credit tightening that that occurred uh, through the banks. Of course, the tax changes are now off the table, and I think we've all become friends with the new lending environment. I think it's prudent to ask An applicant, what are you spending at the moment? What will you spend once you have the loan? And make those inquiries. I don't think it's prudent to necessarily do it to the level that it's currently being done at, um, but I think that'll work out over time. I think the biggest drag on buyer demand will really be access to credit. So I suspect more vendors will um, start thinking about putting their property on the market, particularly as they see more positive price growth data come through for the rest of this calendar year. So I think property volume will increase next year in terms of the number of properties on the market. Um, But I doubt any bank's going to want to make any substantial wholesale changes to the way that they calculate borrowing capacity. So I mean, of course, the first thing is, will ASIC win its appeal? Because if it does, they're not going to make any changes, probably. Um, If ASIC is unsuccessful, uh, then maybe what will be the most likely outcome is the banks will gradually make changes to credit policy very, very silently, very covertly, um, because I don't think a bank wants to come out and make a really massive change because that's really going to attract a lot of media attention. And then I think then it might sort of 
send the message back to the market, hey, the banks are back to just trying to shove credit down people's throats, I think they're going to want to avoid that. So instead, I think what they'll do is just make very gradual changes to gradually loosen up credit policy or at least become uh, more reasonable about their uh, assessment of living expenses and so forth. And as a result, I think we'll probably see prices increase on average by about 5 to 10% over the next 12 or so months. You know, it's not going to, I don't think it's probably not going to be as, as high as 10 but I think it's it's not going to be just 1% or 2% either. It's going to be something in that range. Uh, but it won't go nuts, I don't think, because of this access to credit. I think that'll really pull the market back. I, I certainly don't think prices will depreciate anymore. Now, of course, uh, the national property market's really made up of literally thousands of different smaller sub-markets. And, you know, these smaller sub-markets are going to be impacted um, by these macroeconomic factors, which I've just discussed, um, to varying degrees. You know, sometimes that um, uh, you'll get a geographical market that's really um, got its own issues playing out and, in fact, it's insulated from whatever's going on at a macro level. So it's really important to take this into account or take this information in context. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that all property will grow between 5 and 10%, and some property will grow faster and some property will grow slower. So it's really important to look at what are the, what are the geographically specific factors that I really need to consider in the market that I'm looking at. And finally, the most important message really, as discussed at the beginning, is whilst this topic arguably makes interesting discussion, interesting reading, its application is limited. You know, it's there's never a bad time to buy an investment-grade property if it's appropriate for your circumstances, if it's in line with a long-term investment strategy and so forth. Um, so just uh, take that in context. Again, it's great conversation, dinner table uh, discussion, but, uh, but, you know, whether it's really going to help you in terms of your investment decisions um, is questionable. So there you go. That's what I think. I think property market will certainly improve, uh, but it won't run away from us. Thanks very much. Uh, until next week, bye for now.